since I could feel the weight of the world better brace that Got a little blood in my mouth, I can taste that And I've been beaten bruised from the fight, ain't no fake cat Calluses, they grow from the pain in the days past But I will never give up, and I will never give in Strength is all I got now, and damn it man, I'm all in So why might I have to stay tall, never show I'm bleeding When everything is too much, you will see me Damn! What's up, guys? It's been too long. I uh, guess I took a little break from podcasting for a little bit. Um, I think it's been a month or a little more than that. Um, yeah, life's been busy. Been real, real busy. But um, getting back at it uh, after the new year here. And um, my goal is to try to do at least two to four of these a month. So... We'll see if I can hold that. In the beginning, I was going to do one a week, but um, pretty busy guy right now. Got uh, lots of irons in the fire, as you'd call it. So um, hope all you guys have had a awesome start to 2023. And um, hope you guys have a bunch of goals written down, or at least in your mind of what you want to do this year. It's going to be a big year. I think a big year for all of us. Um Let's uh, let's hope the country kind of spruces back up a little bit, and um, yeah, I'm just hoping to see the stock market kind of take a turn and jump back up a little bit. It has been uh, just as you know recently, but um, yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to, and a lot of other things. Um, interest rates seem to be dropping a little bit, which is good. I am involved in real estate, so. Um, that's definitely good to see because uh, buyer's market kind of dropped there just a little bit, but things are still selling. Um, so we'll see what happens. Technically in a recession, but um, people are still making moves, still buying stuff, still going out, still eating dinner at nice fancy places and doing fun things with the family. So yeah, we'll get through it. Not a big deal. Not a big deal at all. got to keep pushing. got to have that peak mentality, right? what this podcast is all about push through the adversity speaking of that let's uh let's talk a little bit about the Tascobia 160 so um i did not push all the way through that one um i had a few reasons why but uh all in all the experience was freaking sweet um and you know i'm not much of a sled puller snow ultra kind of guy i mean it's to me to me honestly um it's it's a good challenge and when you got a buddy like jake ramsby who i had on the podcast on the last episode you know when that dude just randomly hits you up throughout the year it's like yo i'm gonna go do this race you want to come do this with me and you've done a bunch of races with him before and have made the sickest memories ever with this guy it's like yeah sure i'm gonna sign up let's go do this so fast forward to the race actually a week prior to the race um they had a bunch of bad weather out there basically this whole trail the tascobia state trail is like roughly almost 80 miles long and uh it was closed down um because trees were falling everywhere over the trail it was just a mess 
So a week out from the race, it was like pretty much canceled. So we're just like waiting, waiting, waiting. Um, I personally reached out to the race directors because we had ended up getting an email maybe four days prior to the race saying, okay, we're go, but we're, we still don't know like all the conditions of the trail. So I'm like, Hey, can you, we get like a for sure answer? Like, all I want to know is like a, yes, this is 100% happening and I'm not going to fly out to Minneapolis and take a two hour drive to Rice Lake, Wisconsin for nothing. So like, yeah, we're on, you know, we're still doing it. So, uh, we went out there and, um, showed up, was ready to go. Um, I think for the 160, there were like 20 of us on foot pulling sleds. Um, there was one dude on skis. This dude broke the record out there for skis he did the whole 160 miles in like 31 hours. And I saw the guy at the hotel like a few days later. He was staying at our hotel and he's like, oh yeah, I don't understand. You guys do that on foot. And I mean, yeah, I don't really understand it either. It's kind of ridiculous. But, um, you know, I was like, dude, you just did 160 miles on skis in 31 hours. Like when he passed Jake and I, he was like he was coming back, so out and back race for the 160. He was like 45 miles ahead of us at that point. And I was like, dude, this guy's just booking it right now. So anyways, um, jumping to the race, um, you know, side by side with Jake, pacing each other, just cruising. Um, well, something like this, you're not really, you're, you're not running. I mean, the, the snow, the snow was good. Um I'd say about the first 10 miles and after that got really mashed potato-y just every step you would take you're losing like half your step momentum or your ankles rolling right left foot slipping here there I mean it's just to put it blatantly it's a bitch it's like it's almost just like walking through sand um just a little a little stiffer of a surface um so we're keeping good pace, you know, we're ahead of schedule and we're going through it, going through it. And I mean, it's just, it's a daunting race. I mean, most of this trail is just almost straight the whole, like the whole time. And I mean, you, you'll just look down the trail and all you see is like five plus miles of just straight trail. And it's like, Oh my God, I'm just looking at the same thing over and over and over and over basically. Um, and we were told it was all pretty much flat and we ended up having a few hill hills here and there. And, you know, you come out of the woods and then the trail is going along a highway. Then you're going along a town and lakes and all, you know, all kinds of cool stuff. It, it was, it was really cool. Uh, a ton of snowmobilers flying by us the whole time because uh, it's a snowmobile trail. Um, so, you know, we really had to watch out for them and uh, they had to watch out for us. So, I think everyone was pretty safe the whole time because they knew we were out there. But, I mean, there are a couple guys out there booking it like 50, 60 miles an hour just come flying by you like three feet from you. You're like, whoa, dude. Um, cool. Don't don't kill me and my friends. So uh, we're going through the race. We get through the first night. First night was um, a little tough at some points because we had a 6 a.m. start on Friday. So going through Saturday night, you know, it's having a few hallucinations, just trying to stay awake. Um, 
Yeah, we were definitely keeping up on calories and and fluids. I was, I would think I was a little behind on some fluids. Jake was doing good with his with his fluid intake. Um, but then my feet just started killing me, right? And I had worn, I got a new pair of shoes specifically for this race. I had probably only put ten miles on them. The the Hoka Anacapa mids. Um, the pair I used for the Drift 101 in March of 2022 was a, a pair of Merrells I'd gotten a while back, and they, they actually did really well, really supported my foot, my ankles. Um, but there was one weird spot on the shoe on my right foot. It was like rubbing into my ankle, like really weird, and just was not comfortable for a long, long stretch of, of miles wearing those. So I got this new pair, you know, I tested them out um, for about 10 miles. I was like, cool, they're good. But I don't know what it was about these shoes, but the way they wrapped the outside of my feet, um, it's basically like my pinky toe and down along the side of my foot. It just was, I, I, I don't know, like it felt fine for a little while. And with all the rolling back and forth, it felt like those shoes were literally just bruising the sides of my feet, just so brutal and I mean, the pain was just so bad. Like, it, no, like I haven't experienced that type of pain in that specific area on both my feet before during an ultra. And I was just like, damn, you know, I, it's, you know, I, it, like I've got a vacation. I'm literally leaving for two days from now. Um, yeah, I got a big training schedule coming up for an Ironman. And also two weeks before this race, I had pulled a, um, muscle in my lower back and I almost didn't even go because of that um but I was feeling better so I'm like okay I'm gonna push through this so um you know I, I'm feeling bad whatever I'm hurting and Jake Jake had been fighting a, a foot injury this almost this entire last year and you know it kept him from doing some big races and he uh he was using the Tascobia 160 as a test for um the iti 350 so he he was able to get into iti 350 which is in alaska 350 miles on foot pulling a sled takes like it's like a 10-day ordeal so his foot ended up hurting um in the race and he was like and jake's a tough kid um i mean him and i can both push through some stuff together and you know so we had a serious conversation on the trail we're just like hey like you know what do you think what do you think and um he decided best move for him was going to be hey let's let's finish out the uh um to the halfway point which was about 81 miles and um just call it let's you know i'm going to be smart about about my foot so i'm not out for another half year or this whole next year you know i've got goals and stuff i want to do but um, unfortunately with his foot hurting um you know on an 80 mile stint the snow he also decided, hey, I'm going to take a step out from the ITI 350 and not do it this year, which, you know, I mean, he was really looking forward to it, but um, you know, a little disappointed that he's going to have to step away from it. But, you know, you got to be smart. So all in all, you know, I, I made the decision to um, stop at that halfway point as well. And, uh, you know, I was happy with it. You know, it's not that's I think the second DNF I've ever taken. I mean, to me, it technically be the first, but another one was a few years back on a, a 24 hour, 
one six mile every hour type of race where it's like you if you don't you, like if you can't continue you just drop out of it which nobody ended up finishing that one so count that as a dnf if you want or not but um no we decided to take the dnf together on this one and um i was happy about it i was out there to just have a good time um you know i really wasn't in the racing type of mindset not you know we're not really trying to place or anything like that i, I would have really enjoyed finishing the 160 um i feel like i pulled definitely pulled a rookie move um that i will never do again and that's going to be have a second pair of shoes on me if i ever do another sled pull ultra again but definitely have a, a second pair of shoes i believe i had a second pair in, at the drift 101 yeah, actually, no, I for sure did. Uh, I never had to swap, but um, yeah, I uh, won't be doing that again. I'll definitely be testing out um, a new pair of shoes a lot more than just 10 miles um, beforehand. So, yeah, um, I know it's funny. We got so before we got to the end, we had this like two mile stint where we were on on a lake. The whole this whole lake was iced over. And when we were at one of our checkpoints earlier on, the race director had said, oh, yeah, just, you know, be careful out there because, you know, we had, there's some water coming up and you're, you're going to get wet potentially. And like, oh, shit, like <laughs> it's like freezing outside. And we're going to get wet and have to keep pushing through, you know, just one of those. It's all part of the race. But when we got out there. Everything was frozen over, which was good. Bad thing about this race was it actually warmed up a lot more than what it was supposed to be, which I wish it would have been a lot colder just so the snow would have been more packed. But um, and, and warm, you know, warm temps, I'm talking like 30 degrees, high 20s. That's, you know, compared to like zero or negative, you're going to have a lot stiffer of a, of a snowpack in those colder temps. Um so for us, you know, we had that mashed potato we stuffed for most of that trail, and it was just like constant ankle roll, foot slip. Um, but anyways, um, so yeah, we're out on the ice on the lake, and so our buddy Elliot Rube, who was also on one of these podcast episodes, um, the, the man of the uh, of the two hundreds, he he was only able to sign up for the half um, because he didn't have any prior snow ultra experiences. Uh, under his belt so he's only able to sign for the half so we actually passed him out on the lake he had started right before we finished our half and stopped um so i know he was a little disappointed in us but you know we told him look we've had our fun um you know we're gonna call it we'll uh we'll be watching you on your tracker and um yeah so he was actually out there over uh new year's eve all by himself, which we felt kind of bad about <laughs> while we're sitting in the hotel having having some pizza. Side note, I usually only have cheat meals after races. It's very rare for me to go off my diet and eat something unhealthy unless I feel like I've completely earned it. And even at that point, I still feel guilty. That's just how my mind works. Anyways, back to the story. Um, so the next morning, uh, January 1st, Elliot's texting me he's like hey dude i'm sick i'm throwing up like can you come find me i'm at this he was at a some kind of a wasn't an official checkpoint but kind of labeled as a checkpoint building 
So we go in there, we talk with them. He's just like, looks miserable. And he's about 61 miles in. So Jake and I sat with him there for a little bit. We're like, Hey dude, just put your shit back on. You know, you got warm, you got some food and, and fueling you. Let's get back out there. So he gets back out. It goes about another mile and a half or two miles. It was just like, I'm, I'm done. Like I'm, I'm not keeping stuff down. So yeah, he decided to stop there, and uh, you know he had fun. It was the first snow ultra experience for him. Um, but yeah, man, the, the snow ultra stuff on foot is just brutal. It's unlike anything else. I mean, just I think because it's so slow, such a slow process where you're doing like three and a half to four miles an hour, just walking, you're pulling weight, and you know it's just it's cold freezing or even in the negative temps depending on what race you're doing um you know you're just dealing with brutal weather and for me i I like more fast paced stuff so mentally like the really the really slow paced stuff doesn't scare me at all like whatever i'm gonna go out here and walk and pull a damn sled and we're gonna see how long it's gonna take but i think mentally it's just a totally different kind of draining because you're like oh my gosh like uh, I got to walk like 160 miles and it's going to take, you know, a couple days of just walking. Like I, I love to run, love to run fast. Um, so the walking is definitely a little daunting to me mentally, but it's, it's a whole different experience, a whole different beast in itself. Um, and that's why I signed up for two of them this last year. Just wanted to get the experience. I mean, it's, a lot of gear a lot of prep you got to do but um once you get out there and do it you, you know you kind of know what works for you and what you need um and just don't make the mistake of taking only one pair of shoes with you while you're out there on the trail um yeah awesome experience all in all um like i mentioned earlier went on a little vacation right after that went out to cozumel mexico for five days and that was nice going from the snow to the tropical Mexico Island. It's pretty awesome. And, uh, did not do any working out whatsoever for five days. Had some, uh, partook in some Mexico, Mexico's finest tequila. Um, way more than I probably should have, but Hey, you know, least once a year you gotta just kind of let loose a little get off the training schedule just enjoy a break from life and forget about everything going on back at home work whatever else all the all the drama and bullshit all right guys enough of the fun time talk let's get into the real reason why we are all here today Uh, we're going to talk about business and how we can relate building a business to the ultra marathon ultra endurance mindset um, AKA peak mentality. So I'm going to give a little backstory as to my adventure with all this and how I learned over time, um, by doing both, um, building a business and doing ultras, how they relate very closely when it comes to the mindset it takes to pursue those and, and get through them. So about six years ago, Uh, Just out of college, I was working for a farming business here locally where I live. And um, during that time, I invested 
in a tractor, um, took a small loan from a family member, and I wanted to do side work with that. So while I was working for this other company, I was really thinking, you know, I want to be an entrepreneur like my grandparents were their whole lives building custom homes and like my dad is with his automotive business. And I grew up working for him and learned how to run his business inside and out. And, um, you know, now fast forward, you know, I'm out of college working for a business that, uh, you know, I'm just working day in and day out, not making very much money. Can't really stand the way that the owner is running the business, how he treats his employees and everything. And I, I thought to myself, you know what? I don't want to work for anybody else. I want to, I want to work for myself, build my own company, give other people opportunity, help, you know, help people around the Valley with my business and, uh, eventually build something big. So I quit that company. I pursued disking people's weeds, um, you know, at their home properties, uh, disking some vineyards and, and, and a few other things. And I, you know, I did a lot of advertising, free advertising on um, on Craigslist. And, you know, back then they didn't charge you like they charge you now. It's like $5 an ad for a business ad now. So I, I put up a bunch of ads, especially for, for summertime. Um, that's when the county requires everyone to have their weeds dissed in. And so little by little, over time, I started building up business. The first year was very tough. I didn't make very much money. Um, but eventually I kept grinding. I kept pushing kept making more connections with people around the valley, was advertising myself a lot more, and eventually ended up building a little name for myself. And um, so after a year or two went by, I uh, ended up in a conversation with a farmer that had previously done some work for, while I worked for, while I was working for another company when I was younger. And um, they, they were in the middle of harvest, they were they had just invested in a bunch of equipment to do custom harvesting. They were getting behind on some things and they said, Hey, we're really in need of another almond shaker to come come out here and help us out. So and and for those of you that don't know, so almond shaker is a machine that basically grabs the, the almond trees, shakes them, and that's how you get all the nuts off the tree. So after I, you know, we had had that conversation, um, I was thinking, you know what? I think I'd really enjoy getting into that side of the business. I've, I used to drive a shaker for another farming company when I was younger. I know how to work on these things inside and out. So, you know, I brought it to their attention. Like, Hey, I would, uh, you know, I'd, I'd be interested in helping you guys out. So I wrote up a contract, had them sign a contract for 400 acres for me to do within three days from that moment, I had went and got a business loan from a John Deere dealership nearby. Uh, and I had a great connection with, with, with those guys to begin with. Um, drove up north, northern California, bought a shaker I found on Craigslist and came back and had it in the field, all within a three-day time period. And I had that piece of equipment working for about 30 days straight and made the most money in that one time period than I ever had before in my life. And that was a huge risk I took up front because it was funny. After we signed that contract and I bought that shaker, those clients of mine reached out to me and said, hey, we no longer need you. And it about broke my heart. And I was like, what did I just do? I took this huge financial risk. I'm invested in this piece of equipment. I mean, I definitely can go find other people to do work for. But, you know, I had this guaranteed set contract. And, you know, I reached out to them or talked with them and said, hey, 
you guys just signed this contract. Like you can't back out of this, you know, that's just, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of fresh into business and, um, you know, trying to do things the right way. And I'm just like, Hey, you know, like it, you know, you're going to have to pay me something for this. You know, you signed, you guaranteed this amount of work for me. And I just went and took my time and money and invested in this piece of equipment, which, you know, it isn't necessarily their fault or, you know, that has nothing to do with them. I took that risk, but they ended up living up to what they signed and we made, had a you know great relationship and still do to this day. Um, but that was a huge risk I took and that, that just propelled my business forward and opened up so many other avenues by taking that, that one risk at that one time. Eventually ended up doing, you know, investing in more equipment over time and doing a lot more work for people all over the valley. And um, I've always been owner operator. And this last year, I, I kind of stemmed away from that a little bit more and brought someone on to help me out full time um, during during summertime when we have uh, almond harvest and have some spreading jobs to do before then. So that's that's been a blessing in disguise. But as I've expanded the business. Um, I've also limited it. I've kept it to a very niche market. Um, I've, I've always had the opportunity to buy more equipment and expand it more and more to be able to cover more acreage and more customers. But whenever I've penciled it out, um, on paper, the, the amount of money it would take to run that much equipment with employees, repairs, fuel, uh, I mean, it's, it's substantial and to be able to try to guarantee that amount of work for this specific business is very tough. You, um, I mean, you really, really, really would have to have a lot of guaranteed work set up beforehand for something like that. Um, I've been able to keep my business in a, at a perfect position with the amount of equipment I have, the amount of customers I have. And, um, it's, you know, it's set up great. There's always room to make more money and, and maybe bring on a few more pieces of equipment, but blowing it up out of proportion would definitely put the business in a bind, you know, financially, there'd be a lot of, a, a lot of debt, um, that would just need to be paid off over time. And you really got to weigh the risks of the business you're in too. For example, California farming, are having a lot of water issues and, and regulations on water usage and the price of almonds, which is the main industry I'm involved in, is just, it's garbage right now. It has been for a few years and will continue to be for another few years. And hopefully, you know, there's a, there's a brighter light at the end of the tunnel. But um, custom work for guys like me and what my business does, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that do it. So it's going, and, and, and with the regulations and things I just I just spoke of, it's going to get tougher and tougher for us. So... I've, I've kept my business at a realistic level to where it's very profitable for me. I'm able to live comfortably. I'm also able to leverage this business and, and the money I've made from it like I did yesterday, for example. So a few years ago, I formed this LLC to flip houses. And the, the timing wasn't right right at the time I formed the LLC for me to financially be able to afford getting into that specific sphere of work. Um, I also do real estate outside of the, the farming business. So 
eventually I knew I'd be able to use this LLC to invest in some properties when the time was right. Well, fast forward till yesterday, um, actually the past couple of weeks, I've been looking at a few different properties in a town nearby that are at a wholesale price from a, a, uh, a friend of mine that acquired them. So I've looked at them, I've ran the numbers on it. I've, I've uh, worked to find, basically, it's a hard money loan through a company, that, a very reputable, reputable company locally that does a bunch of these, these types of situ, uh, financial situations and investments. And also had a contractor go through and give us a quote on what it would take to rehab this property. I mean, it's, it's, it's a hoarder house is basically what it is. So to me, it, you know, I have the framework set up. I took the time to set this thing up, figure everything out and how it's supposed to work, what I need to do. And I mean, within the past couple of days, I've learned so, so much, but signed the contract as of yesterday morning, um, transferred my EMD with the, into the title company. So we're set and, and now we're just working with the loan company on getting everything set up. But I took this huge risk. I had to leverage finances from my farming business into this LLC to be able to fund this project. So at the end of the day, once I make the money back that I leveraged into the LLC, I will either leave it there or move a portion of it back into the farming business. Um, but it's just, it's just another f- form of a risk of business, um, leveraging one for the other and basically diversifying yourself. Um, I've always been a person that's been diversified. I've, I, I can't seem to just do one thing. I'm in farming. I spent some time with Cal Fire. I've had my real estate license for four years, which has always been a little side gig for myself. But lately, I've been stepping into it a lot more and, and being a lot more active with it. And now, getting the LLC business going to flip houses, um, just I'm very excited for it. Uh, very nervous as well. Like I said, it's a big risk financially. Um, the, the market right now, the housing market, is a little volatile, but um, when this when this house is all rehabbed and done and I put it back up on the market, uh, it's going to be the right time for uh, for people to start looking to buy springtime. So uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a positive risk to me, and I have a couple extra strategies on it too. If it does not sell, I can always rent this house out, refinance it, and, and get the, the first um, loan company paid off. So like I said, you know, when you, when you formulate your risk and what you're going to do, you really need to, to map it out, lay it out on paper, whatever, you, whatever form works best for you and lay out your, your exit strategies with it. So have your goal at the top and always shoot for that. Shoot for that, that high goal that you that you foresee uh, getting to in the future and have exit strategies and have a worst case scenario strategy. Just lay it all out. If it all makes sense and seems like the risk is going to be manageable or going to be worth it, shoot for it. Go for it. You will never get anywhere in life unless you take a risk. That's what I always tell people. So how does this all relate to the mindset of an ultra runner or, or someone going out to perform endurance events like triathlons? marathons, running events, OCRs, um, any, any form of ultra. So to me, with my 10 years of experience in OCR and ultras and triathlons, 
I've, I've definitely gained a lot more mental strength than I ever had beforehand. And throughout that 10 year period, um, six of those years, obviously I've, I've been involved in running my own business and formulating other businesses. And what I, what I really learned throughout this, this whole process is that uh, when, when I'm running an ultra, let's say, uh, you know, 24 hour ultra or running a hundred miles, the amount of mental strength it takes to be able to focus on that event only and what you're doing there and, and push through the pain, the adversity or whatever else comes up to be able to finish that is almost just like the risk it takes to start up a business and push through the beginning hard times of getting that business formulated and running to get it to a healthy point where it's it's sustainable. You have to just picture yourself um, at, at the light at the end of the tunnel, basically. It's like, okay, I got to put in this much time. So say you're starting an ultra, right? Just take off at the start line. Okay, you're starting up a business. You just got your business name. Uh, you just formed your LLC or sole proprietorship. And you're like, okay, well, there's a slight dangling way, way down there. Okay, what do I have to do in this time frame to get to get down there and touch that light? Well, on an ultra, you got to have your nutrition planned. You got to have all your gear planned out properly, what shoes you're wearing, um, what clothing you're wearing, if you're going to change things out what you're going to lube up so you don't chafe, uh, what you're going to eat, and how often you're going to eat it or drink, Now, how often you're going to drink. Um, your pit crew, what's your pit crew going to be doing for you if you have one? They're going to be handing you certain things. They're going to help you change shoes or socks or whatever, whatever you need. Um, what's your pace going to be? How long are you going to hold that pace? When do you plan to sort of slow that pace down and be manageable with it? What happens if if your Achilles or your calf starts hurting? What are you going to do for that? How, you, how are you going to push through that? Okay, when you get to that point where nothing can get rid of the pain, it's just excruciating and it hurts, but you still have 40 miles left to go, what are you going to do? You're going to keep going? Is it worth it to you? Is that light at the end of the tunnel worth coming out of the darkness? Same thing goes to business, right? You got your business name, you got your LLC start, whatever. You got the, you got the formation of the business. Okay, now we got to open some bank accounts. Now we got to make sure we got some funding for it. Do we have a loan? Uh, are we self-funding? Whatever the case may be. Okay, do we have the products or services set up or ready to go that we're going to sell or offer? Do we have a storefront or do we have a um, location to store equipment to take places um do we have a clientele lined up already do we have that list do we have a way to market do we have a way to reach clients efficiently and be competitive in our pricing okay cool now we're going through the process we're building momentum here we're going okay uh something happened Uh, we got an employee employee got hurt Okay, do we have the insurance and everything to cover that? Uh, a random expense shows up that we that we weren't expecting. Okay, can we cover that? Okay, let's keep going. Let's keep going, keep moving. Okay, um, pandemic happens. Crap. 
uh, my business is slowing down. I'm not able to, you know, to, to do much business right now with, with what I'm doing. Can I push through this? Can I hold off? Can you hold off? Boom. Or is, is it worth it to you? Is it worth that light at the end of the tunnel? Can you hold it out or you're going to close it up? You know, same type of situation when you really think about it. And, and I've, I've always just embraced that. Um, just, you know, comparing the two. Obviously, they're so, so much, much different, you know, when, when you look at it. But what it takes to get through both of those and be great and be good and be successful is having a strong mindset above others. For someone to even toe the line of a 100-mile race or to pursue being an entrepreneur and starting their own business, that sets that person way ahead of someone that obviously is going to sit on the couch or stay in a, in a low-level job and not, not pursue something greater for themselves. It, it takes so much so much drive just to get to the start line of both of those. And once you get there, hopefully you've, you've prepped and figured out a little bit of what you need to do throughout that process to make it to the end of it. And if you've prepped, done everything right, and you're able to mentally push through all of the adversity, no matter what is happening, you will make it to the end. You will be successful. You will get it done. You will be the glorious business owner or the uh, achiever of a 100-mile to marathon belt buckle. And uh, I, I just love, I love comparing the two. And I love, I love talking to people about that. I just, uh, I just think it's, it's magical. Um, it, it takes so much, so much to, to do the both of those. And the reward, and the gratification you feel at the end of both of those is, uh, is it's unreal. And you learn so much along the way. You learn so much about yourself and what you can, what you can push through that you never thought you could push through before. I mean, I've been out in fields all night long before um, pushing through work just to get things done so I can move on to another customer in a timely manner, just nonstop, hard, long hours to get things done, keep customers happy, you know, underbidding some things when I, when I knew I could make a lot more money off of it, but just so I could get the job and, you know, spreading myself thin sometimes just so I can have that clientele um, built up for the future and, and keep the business rolling. Same thing with ultras. When, when you're out there, you're going to go through serious adversity. I've had a couple ultras where I was just in excruciating pain, wanted to stop, and I, I said, no, I got, I'm here. I'm not going to let myself down. I'm not going to let um, anybody else down, my friends, family back at home that know I'm running this, you know, what kind of example do I want to set while I'm here? Do I want everyone to know, ah, oh, you know, he, he went out there and, uh, yeah, he, uh, made it to mile 80, his foot hurt and you know, he kept pushing, but decided to stop at mile 90. He couldn't do the hundred. You know, well, how, how bad was that foot hurt? Was it broken? No. 
Well, why don't you keep pushing? You know, one of those things, right? I've uh, I've always looked deep inside myself during ultras to think of, you know, what would somebody else think if I, if I if I gave, just gave up right now and didn't do it? What would I think of myself at the end, um, when I knew I could have kept going? So and and I've I've never wanted to let myself down. Number one and number two, let other people down. I've always wanted to leave a positive impact and a motivational impact on people. Whether they really give a shit or not, I don't, I don't know. But you know, when when people see that, oh, hey, he did a he did a ran a hundred miles, or he did a hundred miles at world's toughest or X Y Z, you know, it's like, oh wow, he he also is doing good things in business over here and being an entrepreneur, and oh, he shows up to this race and is finishing these races and doing good. Well, wow, that's, you know, that, that's, that's inspiring. And I, I just hope that with it all, with, with my business ventures that I've pursued and my races that I've pursued and completed that, you know, it'll maybe motivate someone someday and uh, they can take little golden nuggets away from seeing the things I do or listening to this podcast and talking about these things openly. Um, I'm an open book. I'll talk about whatever you can reach out to me and ask me any questions you want about business running. I I don't care. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, I I love to talk about life experiences and you know, the the hard things that I've pushed myself through. And uh, I know a lot of you listening out there, have done similar things as well or even more and that's very admirable so um i know it's funny i'm talking about an example for races oh 80 miles a foot hurt well yeah i mean just like we talked at the beginning of this episode about the tuscobia 160 i mean yeah that one i didn't make it all the way through but that was my first and um it's okay like I said, sometimes things will not not always go as planned and you got to make a very educated decision on it and what it's worth to you. But um, I trust me, I've had plenty of other races where it was, I'm going to die or finish this and uh, I'm not letting anybody down, not letting myself down and we're going to make this happen. But, you know, things do happen sometimes and you got to step away and uh, regroup and figure out the next one. So I appreciate you guys listening. Um, I apologize for taking so long to put up another episode, but hopefully you took away some little golden nuggets from this one today. Like I said, if you have any questions, reach out to me either through the peak mentality email that we'll have in the episode description uh, for this episode or Instagram at the number one muddy underscore Johnson. You can DM me, ask me anything, uh, give me give me some podcast episode ideas. I've got plenty of stuff I can talk about and ramble on about, or guests I can have on. So we'll uh, we'll get some more stuff rolling here soon. But like I said, thank you guys for listening to this episode. Um, go out there, be something bigger than you think you can be. Start a business, invest in something, sign up for a bigger race a bigger 
type of race than anything you've done before. Put yourself out there. Expand that mental capacity. That's what it takes. So what it takes is repetition and putting yourself in bigger and more stressful situations. And after you do that, you'll be able to handle more and more and more. And these, these other things that used to be insanely stressful and difficult for you are now, now nothing. So that's how you learn. That's how you grow. So you guys keep kicking ass out there. Let's, uh, let's get a little Netflix going right now. All right, guys. Peace. Gloves up off the mat, fighting's all I ever had Wasn't born with tons of gifts, had to work hard as a kid Know that everything I did was to catch the other kids Slowly built that self-esteem, turned myself to a machine I'd compete so I'd be seen, I would lose and I'd succeed But you'd never see me quit, I'd always get after it Knew I had a different gift, I'd outwork any other kid Deep within our souls, we can feel there's something empty We need something more I feel destiny, she tempts me Tells me there's two paths They both have a different ending Choose wise and you'll find That pain leads to ascending Till I'm dead and buried Deep within a cemetery I will fight, never weary I wanna be legendary Till I'm dead and buried Deep within a cemetery I will fight, never weary I wanna be legendary